0: Hi everyone, Amanda here, and this is Planned, Prepped, and Productive, the podcast where I'm helping moms ditch perfection and find peace through planning. This is episode 52 How to Preserve Your Summer Harvest Without Canning. Notice that special number 52 today marks my official first year of podcasting. 52 episodes now in the books. Thank you all for listening and joining me on this journey. Um, it's a fun milestone to hit and i am it's been fun to see how things have grown and evolved over the first year and I'm looking forward to more years of podcasting to come. Um, with that, I've got a little announcement before we move forward with this episode. So with 52 episodes of the podcast... Recorded and published, I am officially calling this season one of the Planned, Prepped, and Productive podcast. With it being the end of a season, I will be taking a one month break from podcasting, and Planned, Prepped, and Productive will return for season two on October 30th. I hadn't decided whether or not I would be doing seasons or not on the podcast. But as I thought about it, after a year of podcasts, I thought I could use a few weeks to reflect and plan and brainstorm for the future. I also want to show you, my listeners, sustainable practices with my business and practice what I preach, if you will. And I believe that breaks are so important to making that happen in my life and for showing you and modeling um, what a healthy business looks like. So I will be taking the next four weeks off. Use this time to re-listen to your favorite episodes or to make a plan to actually put some of what you've been learning on the podcast into action. Let me know what you choose to do and please check back when I'm back in four weeks. Also, if you listened to the podcast last week, you'll notice that The topic for this week is changed from what I had originally had planned. Uh, That's because with this month long break, the topic for today um, was a little bit more time sensitive. Most of you are probably preparing your produce for winter right now because it's coming on strong. So when we come back to the podcast in October, the first episode will be the topic that I announced last week, which will be my formula for planning simple and balanced meals. Okay, thanks again, everyone, for being with me and celebrating this milestone with me. Um, And with that, we are going to dive into today's topic. So today's topic, like I said, is how you can prepare your produce that you get in your garden or even at the farmer's market or wherever you get produce um, for winter, so you kind of have a stock to use all winter long. I love gardening and I love using it to get me through winter with homegrown produce. This year was a little bit of a bummer because we're moving this week. Yay, another milestone for us. Our house is finally done. So we kept our garden this year small and didn't plant any of the late season crops because we thought we'd be out of here in August. So a lot of this experience that I'm sharing today is going back to Gardens past, or to food that I might use to stock up on at my local farmer's market, which is something that I really like to do at this time of year, too. So, if you don't have a garden, this can still apply. Just look for a fun farmer's market to go to, or somewhere you can get local produce. Sometimes this time of year, just on the side of the road, and you can use these tips and tricks for that produce as well. Like I said, I love to garden, I love to enjoy produce from my garden as long as possible, but I absolutely hate canning. I don't like the taste, the texture, or how much work it is. (laughs) There are exceptions. I mean, canned grape juice is basically amazing and jams turn out pretty great as well, but overall I'm just not feeling the home canned foods. Maybe someday I'll change my mind, but if you are like me and you're simply not interested in learning the ins and outs of canning because you know that all that will do is create a bunch of work for you and then a bunch of bottles of food that you will never use and you'll just feel guilty about chilling in your basement let's talk about what your options are if you do enjoy gardening or just want to store a summer bounty from the farmer's market If you don't want to can, you essentially have three different options for fruit and vegetable storage. The first would be cold storage, either in a refrigerator or some kind of root cellar. The second would be to dry your vegetables, and the third would be to store those items frozen or in the freezer. So let's dive first into cold storage. Like I said, cold storage would be either in a refrigerator or some kind of a root cellar. If you were watching me right now, you would see that I put air quotes around root cellar because most of us don't have an official root cellar these days, but there are options for either building your own on the more complicated side or simply finding the coldest place you have around your house for makeshift cold storage. So we'll get more into that later, but first I want to talk about The fact that many of these winter cold weather crops that we're talking about are really cool because they're actually designed by, you know, whatever master designer created them to last a long time. And you don't have to do all that much to store them and for them to last a long time. So that's really, really cool. Um, In fact, your winter squash stored properly can last for months and months in cold storage. I remember my first winter that I grew spaghetti squash. I had it stored in the bottom of my pantry and it was still perfectly good even close to six months after we picked it. It's really pretty amazing. Another quick note is that... When I'm trying to figure out how long something will last, whether it be produce or really anything I make, there's this really cool website that I'll drop a link to in the show notes called Eat By Date that I really like to check to just give me an idea what's a realistic expectation for how long something will last. Keep in mind that this website is a reference only. Some things may go bad faster than it says and others will still be good after the supposed expiration date. Another note on food spoilage is that it's really pretty darn easy to tell if produce is spoiled or not. As we're talking about storing your winter vegetables in cold storage, you might wonder how do I actually know that this is still good to eat? Um, And just look for those telltale signs. If it's not good anymore, it will probably be softer. It might be wrinklier. It may have developed some kind of mold on it, which is an obvious no. um, It might be leaking liquid. It might smell rancid, those kinds of things. These are sure signs that it's not good to eat anymore. If the produce that you have is still whole, intact, and free of all these other red flags after time and cold storage, it's probably still good for you to use. So just keep that in mind as you go through your cold storage. So how can you use cold storage for your fruits and vegetables? An easy solution, of course, is a refrigerator. But most of us don't have a lot of extra storage space in our refrigerator. And fruit and veggies will last even longer when you can spread them out instead of just packing them in. So a refrigerator isn't usually my first choice. But if you do have refrigerator space, Um, or let's say you have an extra refrigerator in the garage, for example, it would be a really great option for some produce items like apples and carrots that like really, really cold temperatures and will help them last a really long time kept in there. You can keep apples for even up to like six weeks, sometimes when they're stored properly, which is not something that I knew until I had a grandpa who taught me all about apples from his fresh apple tree. So That's something cool to know that even things like apples can last a really long time when you store them well. Okay, so because most of us don't have an extra refrigerator, what would another solution be? A simpler solution to a refrigerator would be to just find a cold, dark place in your house, think a garage or a basement, and store your summer harvest there. Um, There are options to buy specially designed baskets for cold storage, but any bin in reality will work, or even just Cardboard boxes. When you're getting ready to keep your food in cold storage, make sure you're choosing unblemished veggies that are fully intact with the stems still on them um, for long term storage. And make sure you check them every week or so to remove any that have spoiled. If you do have some blemished fruits or vegetables, don't worry about it. Just make sure you choose to use those first and store the ones that you think are going to store the best. You want to give yourself the best chance for success, right? There's another really handy resource that I wanted to chat about from Missouri Extension with details for all sorts of fruits and vegetables and how they best like to be stored. Uh, That's a little beyond the detail level that I want for this episode, but I will drop a link for you if you want to check this out as you're preparing to store your summer harvest. So in your house, if you don't have a cold or a dark spot that fits the bill, Or if you're just thinking that you are more of a gardening enthusiast and you really want to get even more into growing your own food, um, there are lots of options to build your own root cellar. So I've dropped a link in the show notes for some options that you can use to design your own root cellar. Some of these are really complex, um, but some are actually very simple and involve simply burying a galvanized steel garbage can in the ground, which will take a little bit of elbow grease, but overall is not overly technical or complex. Like I said, I've included that link for you to check out your options. I'm thinking I'm going to try and convince my husband to go for the buried barrel method, maybe after a few years of gardening to prove that I have a green thumb. Um, bonus, how fun would that spot be for hide and seek? Pretty fun, right? I've got just a few more notes on preparing your veggies for winter and cold storage before we jump into the other two storage options that I talked about in the beginning. So the first thing is that if you really want your veggies to last, you should put them through a curing process. If you're purchasing your vegetables at the farmer's market or on the side of the road. This process has probably already been done, but you can ask your farmer to make sure. But a curing process is done to harden the skin on your veggies, particularly winter squash. And this is even done on potatoes. And this is done just by leaving them in the sun after you've harvested them for several days up to a week, rotating them occasionally to harden out the skin. This process will make your vegetables much hardier and able to survive the winter. The last thing that you can do to keep your veggies good for as long as possible in cold storage is to keep them separated from each other. So this doesn't mean you can't store them in the same bin, but within that bin, separate them from each other with newspaper or burlap, hay, any of these things would work, but just kind of create their own little nest or space for each vegetable in the box. Um, also be sure to check that chart that I talked about with fruit and veggie storage times, because it will also give you warnings on things that shouldn't be stored together, which is another key to making sure they last as long as possible. And a reason that things may not last as long in your fruit bowl or in your refrigerator and why it might surprise you that some of these things really do have the ability to be stored so much longer than you think that they do. Okay, so diving into the second way to preserve your summer harvest, and that is to dry your vegetables. So this method can be really useful for certain items, things like your herbs in your garden or tomatoes, which wouldn't last well in cold storage. Um, But it's not my first choice for most items. It's really helpful for those certain items, but it doesn't work well for everything. Um, One thing that is really cool is that most people think that you need special equipment like a dehydrator to dry out your vegetables. And while that would certainly come in handy, you can also just use your oven. So I am dropping a link in the show notes on how you can use your oven to dry vegetables. It's pretty simple. It involves using your oven on the very lowest temperature, cutting small bite-sized pieces of your veggies, and occasionally rotating them to make sure they're completely dried out without burning. Uh, Once they're dried, you can use them. The writer of this particular article suggests making your own soup mixes, which I think is a really great idea. Um, If it's things like herbs, just use it to flavor your dishes or things like tomatoes, tomatoes, dried tomatoes taste amazing and pastas are different kind of Italian dishes. So there's a lot of different options for how to use your dried food after it's dried. Okay, so the last way, and of course my favorite, is to freeze your winter produce. So a lot of produce that is typically canned can actually just be frozen. And while the process is different and the final product is going to be a little different, it's totally usable and really easy to freeze your produce. So almost any fruit and vegetable can be frozen. And in my opinion, next to cold storage, freezing changes the taste of the food the least. Freezing can alter the texture a whole lot. For example, if you freeze tomatoes, when you pull them out, they're going to be so watery that you think you're not going to be able to use them, but just drain off all that extra juice, throw them in your pot and they'll be good as new. So don't stress about it. It will change the texture. You're definitely not going to be able to eat these things fresh again, but you will be able to make amazing dishes out of them. And when the final dish is complete, I really have a hard time telling and probably can't tell at all that that item was frozen to begin with because the flavor is spot on. Again, I've got lots of links in this episode to give you more details. I'm dropping you a link in the show notes to a freezer and refrigerator storage chart to help you know how long things will last in the freezer and just jumpstart your thinking into what kinds of things you can freeze. So this chart will cover the what and I'm going to dig into the how. So when you're going to freeze your Summer harvest. The first thing we need to talk about is flash freezing. And I've talked about this before on the podcast, and this is something that I do with essentially everything I freeze. But flash freezing is a technique where you will cut up your item or prepare your item for the freezer in whatever way you need to. And then you will get a sheet pan, or if your freezer isn't big enough, even just a few plates and you will spread out whatever it is you're freezing across the sheet pan. Um, I'll often use parchment paper or a silicone mat as well just to make sure that your items don't freeze to the sheet pan. Once you've laid them out, you'll pop this whole thing in the freezer for two to four hours just to get it frozen on the outside and then you'll gather it all up and put it in a freezer bag or a Tupperware of some kind. But the key here is that you want to freeze it out flat first so that once it's frozen, the items are separate in the bag or container and you're able to get out just what you want to use and you don't have a frozen clumpy mess. So flash freezing is really key to making the things that you freeze more usable. And I highly suggest it for almost anything that you need to freeze. The next thing that we're going to talk about is blanching. So blanching is not required for all produce, but some things do better when they're blanched. So what even is blanching? Blanching is essentially just cooking your veggies to a certain point, which is usually like a crisp tender, not quite as tender as you probably would cook it if you were eating it fresh. Then after you've done that, you plunge it in ice water to quickly stop the cooking process. And at this point, your item is ready to be frozen. So that's when you would spread it out on the cookie sheet or on the plates to put in the freezer and flash freeze and then deep freeze until you're ready to use them. So that's what blanching is. Some foods that I blanch regularly would be green beans, broccoli, carrots, potatoes. Potatoes I actually cook all the way through before I freeze them. And then tomatoes you may want to blanch as well. You don't have to, but one thing that's nice about blanching the tomatoes is that you can then really easily get the peels off of them and freeze them without the peels on. Some people just freeze them with the peel on and cook with the peel on. I don't love the texture or of chunks of peel in my thing. So I often will blanch tomatoes and it is the, one of the best ways to get the peel off. Another thing, if you're not interested in blanching to note though, is that if you just freeze your tomatoes whole and then thaw them, that the peel will slip right off just like as if you had blanched them. So if you want to just freeze them whole, you can also just slip all those peels off before you cook and save yourself a step. So Both are options are both fine. Like I said, you don't have to blanch everything, but it is a process that you need to be aware of. Do your research to see whether or not the fruit or vegetable that you're freezing will do well with a blanching process and you'll be ready to go. So those are the three ways you can preserve your summer harvest if you don't want to can. The last thing that I want to talk about is to just encourage you to use your imagination just a little bit as you're preparing your summer harvest for winter. So I could, let's say I had a fresh basil plant. I could of course dry the basil or freeze the basil, but I'm much more likely to use a completed frozen pesto sauce. Or what about tomatoes? I could just freeze those tomatoes or I could make them into a salsa or a spaghetti sauce and then freeze the spaghetti sauce or salsa completed. So, the point that I'm trying to make here is that sometimes taking just an extra step will make you so much more likely to actually use the things you have. So, for me, that means thinking, how would I want to use this if I were cooking it right now, if I weren't trying to preserve it? And then making some of that item adding it to my inventory and always having it there in the freezer ready to go. That's a lot more useful for me. So as you're thinking about your summer produce, if you have an abundance of things, think about your favorite way to enjoy that item and see if it's possible to just freeze it that way. Then you'll have your favorite things in your freezer and that will help you put meals on the table in no time and always feel like you have something available that you want to eat. So that's my last tip when it comes to preserving your summer harvest. So let's go over the three ways you can preserve again if you don't want to can and that would be finding a cold storage place, drying out your vegetables or freezing your fruits and vegetables. Those are the three methods. I hope this episode was helpful. I hope you are ready to be enjoying your garden fresh produce all winter long using these methods. I will miss you guys over the next four weeks, but promise to be back refreshed and with better content than ever for you. I've got a lot of really excited things on the schedule and I'm excited to share. When I come back, we'll talk about my method for planning balanced meals with some mindset tips and tricks as well because. With anything that involves teaching you how to eat healthy and be balanced, we really have got to talk about mindset and make sure that we're not slipping into that diet mentality that can be so damaging for a lot of people and a lot of moms. So you won't want to miss that episode. I will catch you at the end of October and until then, happy planning.